Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. We're up to episode 80 here, a day after Roma salvaged a point late in Udine against Udinese with a, a late Lorenzo Pellegrini penalty kick and a match that we'll discuss. Roma wasn't so great. Brandon, you weren't here last weekend for the Atalanta victory. You come back and this is what you get. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I'm putting this one on me. Um, clearly, you know, the, the, the games I'm not going to be on the subsequent pod are the ones that we win. So and I'll keep that in mind for the future, for sure. <laughs> Jim, well, at least we had a good one last weekend, right? Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, eh, this was probably one of the more frustrating matches that I've seen Roma play in recent months and i would also just add that yeah i mean even compared to some of the losses the fact that we i'm I'm not happy even though we managed to eke out one point from this one are you at all happy with this or are you in the same boat as i am not at all i I honestly feel like we stole a point yesterday i mean this was one where if i was a Udinese fan i'd be pissed because yeah i didn't think roma deserved anything on the match you know, I'll read through some of this, the stats. If you saw just the stats, you'd be like, oh, Roma probably won this game pretty easily. But when you watch the match, not so much. 63% possession, uh, 86% passing accuracy. Uh, in terms of total touches, 736 to 478 for Udinese. You know, they, they controlled a lot of that. More clearances, more aerials won, more tackles. Even despite the, the more ball at their feet, they still, you know, led in those areas. But... What it came down to was Roma didn't put the ball on target very much. Only two out of nine shots on target, five out of 11 on target for Udinese. Not a very impressive win a couple days after. A, not a very impressive win from what I read and from what I heard and saw in the highlights from the Vitesse match because I didn't get to watch that one. But I'm almost glad I didn't watch that one because it, it wasn't too good. For, I, 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 I don't know. I watched the highlights that Brandon threw up on the site. And I was like, holy crap. All we saw was like the goal and, the, and, the, and yeah. I think Tammy had one chance. <laughs> You didn't miss much. It wasn't much to watch. <laughs> yeah, highlights is loosely 
frame yeah. word. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> so the benefit, I guess, of, not the benefit, but like the one positive takeaway we could take away from this is that Roma actually salvaged the point. They didn't, you know, just roll over and die when they were down or just give in late like we've seen in the past. So Irish Romanista on Twitter said, you know, Roma has scored result-changing goals after the 80th minute in four of their last five, should have been five of the last six, including the Genoa match where they were somehow kept out of the goal. Uh, obviously we shouldn't have needed such late goals, but can we take this as a positive sign reflecting a mentality shift or because it feels like we fight to the end more now. So what do you think about that? Uh, well, I think, you know, it's been a run, running team this season that uh, when we conceive, we tend to bounce back. Um, earlier in the season, we saw that we were conceding early on either side of half. And there would always be a response and it would end up with uh, these results where we would come back at the last minute, look at the Sassuolo match earlier on in the season. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, there's the, this latest string of scoring late in matches to either steal a victory or save a point in this latest run. I think it's just evidence that that uh, what we were seeing earlier in the season is still there, despite the struggles that we've still that we've had in the season during the season. So I don't think it's more of a recent development. I just think it's something that's been a product of, uh, you know, the, the effect Mourinho has had on this team since he's arrived. Yeah. So, you know, kind of piggybacking off that Yurkata on the CDT message board said this match marks eight unbeaten matches in a row, but it's an underwhelming eight and unbeaten. You know, if you ask me, I would, I would probably not have said Rome was unbeaten in the last eight. He, I didn't even realize until he pointed it out. And he said, at this point, our top four hopes look dead in the water and we're hoping for a Europa League spot. I don't think this is what any of us envisioned this summer. What went wrong? If you were the free kids, what questions would you want answered before putting down substantial money next summer? As a fan, what questions would you ask Mourinho or the players about the season so far? So I think he brings up a lot of great points here. And we could kind of bounce back and forth with this one because there's a lot going on here. I think in terms of what went wrong, I'll start off. You know, they didn't get Mourinho his defensive midfielder. I think that has a lot to do with tactically what Mourinho is trying to do. You know, we saw it yesterday, especially I thought Henrik Mkhitaryan being out hurt the team compared to what they did the week before against Atalanta. And Mkhitaryan comes up with another question later on. But if you ask me, I think biggest problem with the team in terms of what went wrong was not landing the DM in the summer. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that that's part of it. I think something that I would bring up that, you know, Romanisti may not want to admit is that Serie A is more balanced and arguably strong in the top half of the table than I've seen in a while. And I think that's a factor at play here too. I mean, Milan, Napoli, Inter, Juventus, Lazio, and Atalanta, there is some truth to what Mourinho said that at the moment, most of those clubs have far more depth than Roma does just throughout the squad. And that's something that can only be fixed on kind of a long-term timeline. And you also have to hope that, you know, you keep the system for, long term which on which is part of the issue for Roma that we've we've changed up things a decent amount over the course of the past five or six years so it's hard to really confidently buy players for a system like Gonzalo VR worked at Roma in Fonseca ball and didn't work in Mourinho ball and you can argue whether that is a that just shows his like lack of mentality appropriate mentality but at the same time if we had I, I do believe that if we didn't shift systems so frequently that we'd be more likely to be in the top four right now. I have to hope that there'll be a little more consistency in terms of what we're actually going for as a squad uh, going forward. And I, I have some optimism for that. I think that if we get in that DM that you mentioned, I think that if we get in some more players who really click with what Mourinho is trying to do, uh, 
there's reason to hope for Champions League football next year. Yeah, one thing I'll push back before I let Brandon go is I, I agree in terms of the team building part of it. I don't think Serie A is stronger this year than it's been. I think there is a lot more parity because there's a lot of inconsistencies among everybody. You look at some of the score lines, even in the title race this year, you know, Inter dropped points to Torino yesterday. Torino's decent, but in weeks prior, you know, Milan losing to Spezia, uh, Napoli dropping points against the lower half, uh, Caliade side, you know. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe to correct Tana, yeah. Yeah, maybe to correct myself, I'm more saying that right now I can list eight clubs who, you know, have an argument for at least getting a Europa League spot and at most, you know, being Scudetto contenders like Milan, Napoli, Inter, Juventus, Lazio, Atalanta, Roma, and Fiorentina have all looked good at certain points in the season. And that's something that we didn't really see very as much um, in recent seasons. Uh, and as much as I hate to admit it, a huge reason why Roma was able to be in second place consistently during the Sabatini era was largely because of how weak a lot of the competition was. And so I think that Romanisti kind of need to admit that it's going to be a lot harder to get into the Champions League now than it was in the 2010s. Yeah, no question about that. I mean, with the Milan clubs being down, it made Roma's life a lot easier in those days. But I, I think many Romanisti would take that, what was it, the 2017 Spalletti team over, over this Roma side any day and take their chances with this Serie A. But yeah, a lot of good points you make there, Jim. What about you, Brandon? I uh, generally agree with both of you, particularly in the team building aspect of uh, what you guys were saying. And just to piggyback off of that, I think, um, it really shows, um, you know, the results of this season, I think it really shows just how, uh, you know, hamstrung you can be when you have a ton of deadwood at your club. Um, we see that a lot of Pinto's efforts over the summer and then especially in the winter, we're geared more towards shifting some of these players that we needed to get off our books, no matter what. And so, I think, you know, that went a long way and why we didn't get, you know, the, the, the players that we wanted or were targeting. So I'm really curious to see now that we've shifted a significant amount of those players away, what uh, next, well, this upcoming summer market will be looking like. So I think whatever we probably envisioned last summer is probably going to, next season will be more in line with that than what we ended up getting, I think. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be, you know, Pinta will be active looking for the, the right Mourinho type players. So, you know, I guess the next part of the question was what would you, what questions would you ask if you were the freakings before throwing down that money on, you know, Mourinho's dream defensive midfielder or whoever that might be within Roma's budget or any other position that he might address, maybe right back, center back, wherever they, they look on the pitch. You know, I don't know if the freakings know enough football to ask those kind of questions. You know, maybe you could ask Mourinho, like, what's his vision for the side? What's his long term goal? But, I don't know. I think that would have been hashed out before he was hired. No. Yeah. I'm going to go further than that and suggest that, you know, I don't, I am a fan of hands-off ownership. Um, the only time I really want to be hearing about owners being involved in transfer deals is when the name is big enough that, you know, the ownership has to get involved to show the player like, Oh, we mean business. We really want you to be a part of the side. I don't want the owners like they can set a budget. And, but I think that the whole point of hiring a DS and hot like our GM, I guess, sorry, we've changed the name now. Um, a GM like Tiago Pinto and a manager like Mourinho is that they should be working together on this. You can tell them how much money they have to spend and they can give you a sense of where they're trying to go with that money. But one of my biggest critiques of the Pelota era for Roma was that he got way too involved in the day-to-day. -day. He got way too involved in the director's business. And that's why we had so many hirings and firings over the course of his tenure. 
Yeah, I think Jimmy nailed it. I think it's all about, um, you know, you, you want your owners to be a little hands off. I mean, before current uh, geopolitical events uh, changed the course of how Chelsea was being run with Abramovich, um, you know, he, he kind of was hands off. Um, I know he had that reputation of being this ruthless owner that was axing managers left and right, but I think the day-to-day operations, he was largely hands-off. So if Friedkins end up, if the Friedkins end up operating, you know, in that mold, then, um, you know, all, all power to them. So I think when they're asking that question before sanctioning a quote-unquote war chest for Mourinho, I think it largely would be, you know, how, how are these signings going to um, accelerate the plan that we have for this club? Yeah, I agree. I don't want ownership too involved in those day-to-day operations. They're not the football people, right? You hire Pinto, you hire Mourinho because you trust them to carry out the football operations and hopefully bring success to the club with your money. Yeah, you're investing a lot of money, so you don't want them going and blowing money on wasteful spending. But you have to trust that you hired Pinto to bring in the right players and know the market well enough to do that. You know, as a fan, what question do you ask Mourinho or the players? can you get it together? Like, can you, can you not drop points in these, these matches? I don't, I don't know what you asked them besides like, just you want them to improve next season. I don't, I don't know how else to go about it. Yeah. I mean, on the player side, I, yeah, there's not really much that I think they can say to the players. It's not, if there was a question of tactics being just like utterly wrong for this side or something like that, I'd be way more on, like, I'd be even, I have at least one foot on the Mourinho out bandwagon, but that's not really what it ever feels like in these games. What it feels like is Mourinho doesn't have the players he needs to make his system work and the players he does have for particular roles, especially in the midfield bar, like Oliveira and Cristante on a good day, um, just don't fit at all and don't seem like they're at the level of expectation for this club. Uh, I don't like what I see from Veritu ever at this point. I, there are just some, a lot of players where it's like, okay, I don't think the issue is with the tactics. It's honestly with the player. And I think a lot of fans have a fire the manager first mentality because it's a lot easier to get rid of a manager than to overhaul a squad. And we, we're talking about how much of an issue it is to get rid of Deadwood already. Um, but that's not going to be true for Mourinho, A, because of his salary, and B, because the Friedkins know that if they fire Mourinho quickly, that it's going to be hard to get any even remotely named brand manager to join the club afterward. Um, so for all those reasons, as much I agree with you, I don't really think that there's much you can say to the players, except, you know, maybe in the back of your head, you can make a little mental note of who really needs to be shipped out in the summer. Yeah, I think you make a great point about Mourinho and the difference with him is that you can't eat, I think it was like 9 million euros a season that he's making the way you could 2 million that EDF was making or whatever he was making. And if you fire EDF or one of these other managers quickly, other managers aren't going to really scoff at you. Roma's not Manchester United, where if you ax Mourinho, you can bring in a big name after that in the, in, in the drop of a hat or a Real Madrid or something like that. So I think you make some great points, Jim. And I, we, were, we were messaging in the group message yesterday during the match. And, you know, you said it, and I, I agreed with you, you can't pin all the blame on Mourinho like some people do. There's a lot of blame on the players here. What do you What do you think about that, Brandon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, the same crop of players for three, four years now. It's um, for some of them. So at some point, um, especially with three different managers, and 
almost as many years, you kind of have to start pointing fingers at the players um, and wonder when they're going to start lifting their, raising their game. Especially a lot of them have been hyped up young prospects that we brought in. And at some point you need them to hit the, the next stage of their development. Um, Zaniolo, you got to give a little bit of a pass because of his injury troubles. Abraham's still new and he's showing that he um, is meeting expectations and surpassing them in a lot of ways. But for players like Mancini and Ibanez who are often inconsistent, uh, when you consider the level of um, hype around them when they first came in, they they need to start making gains in their development. And I think there's enough there's some there's enough semblance of a structure um, when this team is playing that you can't really, you know, you can you can have your gripes about Mourinho, but I think overall um, you can see what he's trying to get across is um, showing on the pitch. So when you're questioning what's going wrong with the team, I think you kind of have to look at the players and ask when they're going to start raising their game. Yeah. So I'll just read this next question just because uh, D Bush put it out there. We don't, we're not going to answer because we pretty much answered already, but want to give him a shout out because he said, I love your podcast guys. Looking forward to it. He asked, you know, what we thought Roma's struggles were, if they were tactical coaching or something else that's plagued Roma. And I think we answered that with, with the last question, but thanks for getting your question. In. Um, one thing I mentioned at the beginning was this match was three days after a Europa league match. We know Roma's depth has been questioned by Mourinho quite a few times. The Europa league match, I think he made, what, three subs at halftime because the first half was so lackluster after he tried a little bit of turnover in Holland. So uh, Untesta di expletive, are your league play and Europa Conference League too much for this team? Group play in the ECL seem to make us falter in the first half of the season. Do you think history will repeat itself in the spring? So short answer, yes. I think that, um, I forget which player it was exactly, but post-match Udinese, um, one of them even cited the conference league being uh, so soon that for for why they kind of came out the gates flat. So, but at the same time, I think that Roma has always had a problem balancing European commitments with league play. Um, that's not just specific to this season. So, um, I think, you know, as, as a team that has consistent Champions League aspirations, I think this is something that we're going to have to learn to navigate and eventually we're going to figure it out. I think it's probably a question of getting more depth into the squad, uh, which goes back to the previous question um, related to the players raising their game. I think, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand. So for as long as we want to be that team that's juggling these multiple competitions, I think, um, this is just something that we're going to have to work through as we go. Yeah, I think they're going to have to work through it. I, I think fatigue is an issue in matches like this. You know, Roma played a great match against Atalanta last week. They didn't have a midweek match leading up to it. You know, you see the difference in, in tempo and play sometimes with this side when there is no midweek match. I, and I, I think you're right. I think the Europa Conference League will wear on this team if they go deep into it. So there's going to be a, a big balancing act for Mourinho, you know, and he's going to have to turn over sometimes and players are going to have to step up. And we didn't see that on Thursday in Holland. So hopefully players will start to step up more. If you want to be a Champions League side, you're going to be playing six group stage matches and hopefully some knockout round matches. So you're going to need to be able to, to have that quick turnaround, not as quick because Champions League is usually a Wednesday and this is a Thursday. So it gives you that 24 hours less rest. And you do hope to bring in more depth, but certain big players will have to be able to play every three days in some of these matches when you do get to the knockout rounds and you need to win these 
league matches to stay in the top four race. So certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, one thing that came up is the individual performances yesterday. They really lacked, in my opinion. To me, the only player that stood out was, was Rui Patricio in goal. And when the, the goalie is the only guy that stands out, that's a problem. I mean, I would – I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I also really liked what Nikola Zalewski brought to the table um, last match. I, he was – like, it was definitely uh, Rui Patricio first and foremost, but for a lot of different reasons, I felt like, especially coming off of an ankle sprain, Zalewski looked impressive. He looked like a guy who, out of all of the players who have been, like, brought up from the Primavera so far – he's been getting the most significant runtime and he hasn't been wilting from that pressure. Um, I mean, Felix has also gotten a lot too, but I haven't been as thrilled with Felix in recent month, uh, weeks. Um, so yeah, I think Zalewski and um, Rui Patricio were definitely the only bright spots against um, at last, last week. It was really frustrating to see that happen this weekend, but I, I, there's, there's reason to be hopeful, at least on the Zalewski side. Yeah, I, I, I'd uh, give you Zalewski. Uh, I, he had some flashes for sure of, of any of the outfield players. Who would you have, Brandon? I got to agree with you and say, Rui, I'm probably not as high on Zalewski as um, Jimmy is. And uh, at, since he brought him up, I mean, what what's happened to Felix, man? He uh, <laughs> he burst onto the scene with those with those two goals and then seemingly falling off a cliff. I feel like he hasn't really done anything. So, um you know, starting to wonder <laughs> when he's going to start getting it together. Yeah. You have to wonder too, sometimes with these young players, you know, I talk, I talk about it with my friends, even in other American sports, you know, you can burst onto the scene quick. You kind of catch people off guard and then the league catches up with you and managers, especially in Italy from a Calcio standpoint, they're really tactically astute. So I'm sure they drill their defenses and midfielders on certain players. And if there's a young player, you're going to have to learn to adapt and adjust. So we'll see if Zalewski can continue to show those flashes more consistently than Felix has. It'll be interesting to see because sooner or later, you have to make those adjustments too, whether it's a pitcher and hitter in baseball or a quarterback in football, teams adjust. So we'll see. But uh, definitely Rui was man of the match if Roma had one. So Roma's going to have to avoid that next week in the Derby if they want to get three points out of uh, the match against Lazio. You can't have your, your goal. Said. Of course you can if you don't give up a goal and you can score one, but you need someone else to step up too. So uh, a couple of players that came up in a question from no Toti, no party. How come AMN Ainsley Maitland Niles and Sergio Oliveira had decent to excellent matches when they first arrived. Mainly Sergio was even a match winner. And now Sergio is already underperforming and AMN has disappeared completely. Although Karsdorp is also underperforming and Zalewski uh, is even being chosen before him in the last months as the left back are AMN and Vina already misfits since Zalewski seems to be our new left wing. Uh, also, I think Mourinho should get a chance to prove himself next season after a summer transfer window. Uh, I also think Mourinho is under, uh, underperforming with the team we have now. How do you guys see that? And what have been his biggest achievements and biggest mistakes up to now, uh, according to you? So, yeah, I think the AMN not getting much playing time is interesting lately because he didn't, uh, he didn't play in the conference league either, right? If, um, correct me if I'm wrong, he didn't get into that match. And that's where you might have expected some turnover there. Sergio scored the goal Thursday. Thanks for that. Got the winner and then got red carded and then was pulled at halftime yesterday. So what are you guys seeing from those two? I haven't been super impressed with AMN recently. Um, I do think that, you know, there's a pretty big adjustment 
to playing in Serie A versus the Premier League. So I'm willing to cut, I'm still willing to cut him some slack. Uh, but, you know, more broadly speaking, I think that I, I'm not sure that Mourinho is underperforming with this team that we have now. Um, I think that that's like a serious question to ask. I, I don't know. I don't know if this team really could be doing much better. Um, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's no doubt that Mourinho is going to get an, uh, another chance next season to quote unquote prove himself, especially with another transfer window under his belt. But in terms of, um, you know, with what he's doing with the squad now, I don't think based on based on the transfer activity that we had in the summer and the winter, I don't think I think probably a fourth place finish was unrealistic in terms of expectations. And I, we're in sixth place, almost in fifth. So we're right in line with what I would expect given the activity that we had. Um, as for AMN and Sergio, honestly, sometimes I forget Maitland Niles is on the squad uh, <laughs> until I see him. And I'm like, oh, we, we did bring this guy in. Sergio is a mystery to me because. Um, you know, he kind of he kind of burst onto the scene his first few matches, and then uh, disappeared for a little bit, and then scores the game winner on Thursday in his sub at halftime on Sunday. So I'm really confused as to what to make of him. I think he's probably shown enough that will trigger that purchase option, which I think is around 15, 13, 15 million. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm still curious as to how exactly he fits into the squad based on how he's. Uh, been used yeah um maitland niles i think it was ended up being a dry loan looking like a good move right now because they're probably going to look to upgrade right back more than he's proven to be uh olivera i'm a little surprised he's faded as quickly as he has being a veteran type player you know amn's a young player you know they they you know have their ebbs and flows like we've seen with some of roma's younger players but olivera man he got pulled to halftime i say i thought he would be the guy that could kind of do Mkhitaryan's job at least maybe not as well, but decently enough. Yes. And he, to get pulled at halftime, you know, Mourinho was very unhappy with him. Um, In terms of Mourinho underperforming, I think, like you said, if he finishes fifth with this team, with the way it's built, now that we see the way these players are performing, I don't think you can say he's underperformed. I think there's a lot of holes in the roster, which we'll talk about. And he's doing the best he can, honestly. I think the reason why people would say he's underperforming is because he comes with a reputation more than anything. You know, people look back at all those champions leagues and uh, you know, La Liga titles and premier league titles. He's won. So you come with that winning reputation, but he didn't win those leagues with this roster. I mean, he didn't have Brian Cristante uh, as his center midfielder playing as I like, would just, yeah, I would just say that to the people who always bring that up, like, Oh, he's won so many trophies. Why isn't he winning them with Roma yet? It's, it's like they expect him to be kicking the ball to be like on the pitch and like blocking every shot. I'm not a super pro Mourinho guy, but I think that a lot of the problems he's had both at Roma at Tottenham, even at Manchester United to a certain extent are that it's not like, no matter how good the coach is like Pep Pep to win everything in the world needs like, still needs the best like starting 11 that you yeah, could I mean, possibly they spend put like together, 500 right? million on a roster, right? Exactly. Like nobody doubts that Pep is an amazing manager, but also think about how much money they spend on that roster. And so I guess I would just say that for a lot of it, a lot of the hate Mourinho gets to me is seemingly unjustified just because there's way less of a value add for a manager 
um, in terms of like, can my starting 11 beat your starting 11 in football than in other sports? You know, I, I don't think that it's as fair to just like say, well, Mourinho wins everything. Why isn't he winning now? Yeah. I, I think that's why he's getting a lot of flack. And I, I think there's no question that he's going to get that second season. And, and we hope third, because if he's here for a third, it means the second season probably went pretty well. And Roma's showing some more progression, maybe into the champions league. That, that that's what our hope would be. Um, or Tedesco asked a similar question. We won't read it out because it, we pretty much answered it in the last one, but shout out for getting the question in. Uh, some other questions have been about the midfield. So we have a couple here, one from, uh, Kostaba Harry Haran, who questions a lot from uh, CDT, and then one from here today, Gian Tomorrow. Very clever name. So uh, I, I love the name, an ode to Roma's you know, past when I started following the team and now to the hopefully future. So I'll read both of those questions. Uh, Kostaba asks, what's, going, what's wrong with our midfield? Despite numerical advantage, we're always playing games where it seems like we have no midfield at all. What needs to be changed tactically or in terms of what, who we're playing? And then... Um, I hear today's question said, I would be interested to hear your guys' thoughts on our attack and build a play through the midfield in recent weeks. Do we need to play two creative ball progressors, a la Mickey and Pellegrini, to effectively find our forwards? Would playing one of Bove or, Dobo- or Darboe, who have shown they have the ability to play vertical passes and small glimpses, help us in that regard? Or is it a tactical reliance on long balls of Tammy or a dribbly boy Zaniolo, SES, John, to progress the ball up the field quickly that we may seem reticent to play um, those through the lines in the midfield? keep up the solid work fellows. So combine those kind of, kind of two questions. They're both in the midfield with the issues we're having. Where do you see it? Not to sound sassy, but the answer is that, you know, what's the problem with the midfield? The midfield sucks. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry to say it, but like I, my position on Cristante for a long time now has been that he would be a very good rotational piece. He's the guy that you want as like your fourth midfielder. A guy who, like on a Champions League contender, he's not your consistent starter. He is not, on a Europa League contender, he's not your consistent starter. Vertu, I think, probably is in the same boat. Like, if, if you're a Champions League side, he's not starting your, your matches most times. I don't think that. And Oliveira has been impressive to me to the point where I could see him being in the rotation for the long haul. Like, I do think that they're probably going to exercise the option on him just because, like, He's the only midfielder who's shown signs of life this entire season. Um, but given that, so much of the problem with, with this team is the midfield. And I really don't think that the midfielders are very redeemable. And you got to remember that some of, that these are the midfielders who stayed in Mourinho's good graces. Like VR is gone. And like VR was supposed to be the future of our midfield. And he just did not, was not up to the challenge. So, so much of what this club, club's issues right now are with are with the midfield. And I really hope that Bove or Darboe, my, my gut says Bove, will be able to consistently break into that midfield rotation by the end of the season. Uh, not just because I like seeing Primavera's six players succeed, but also because I think it'll make um, Thiago Pinto way more comfortable with ditching as much of the, mid, the actual senior squad midfield as he possibly can. I'm so glad that Jimmy's finally on my side of the aisle when it comes to to team just just get better players. <laughs> um, so welcome aboard. But and you know you generally I generally agree with everything you said. So I'll uh, you know echo you there. But in terms of what I would like to see, you know, so we we can't really fix anything until the summer. So until then, I think I would like to see uh, what this question was suggesting with. Uh, Mkhitaryan and Pellegrini and 
having those two creative players um, on the field to, to facilitate the offense, I think, you know, for now, as we're doing a um, square peg and a round hole with the midfield, I think it wouldn't hurt to have two or more creative players on the pitch at the same time in um, those midfield roles. So, I've, you know, and I think until we're able to truly get um, the defensive midfielder that Mourinho covets, I think we'll probably have to, um, you know, we're going to have to make do with what we have. And I think that's probably going to be our best bet for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think the Mkhitaryan Pellegrini next week against Lazio, I'm starting those two as two thirds of my midfield. It's probably going to be in Cristante as the other spot. I don't think Oliveira could be the guy that's more of the holding midfielder, but we do need that defensive mid that can not only win the ball, but distribute a bit that Jorginho type, maybe who can be that metronome to, to break the lines, move the ball quickly. Roma doesn't move the ball quickly enough in the midfield, which is, I feel a big issue in a match like yesterday where they have two thirds of possession. You should be able to make some of those passes in the midfield to open up the defense. It's not like the Atalanta match where you're 36% possession looking spring counters. That's when those long balls over the top to Tammy and Zaniola can do their damage in a match like yesterday where, you know, Udinese is the more compact side. You have to be able to break the lines and Roma doesn't have that right now. Pellegrini could play a killer through ball at times, but you know, he needs some help in that, in that regard too. you know, his passing accuracy wasn't the best. Yes. I think it was somewhere in the 65% range. So they did, they do need to get, I think, Mkhitaryan on the field with him. They need that second creative player. We saw it against Atalanta, you know, five shot creating actions from Mkhitaryan. As I look back, 90% completion percentage. That's what, that's what Roma needs to look at. And hopefully it'll work against Lazio. And uh, real quick, the next question from Eric Planino now, uh, you know, he brought up Mkhitaryan with him re- retiring from the Armenian national team. Do you see renewing him as even a, an optional off the bench or as a rotation guy? Do you think it's worth his renewal? So I'm sure you guys know, but I've always, this, every time this question is brought up, I've always been, no, I have no interest in renewing Mkhitaryan. He's 32, 33. We don't need to be um, giving big wages out to players of that age with a lot of minutes on their legs. Um, but, you know, over the, you know, during this unbeaten run, um, and particularly in light of him retiring from the Armenian national team, because we know that they've always run him into the ground whenever he gets called up, I think I'm starting to turn a little bit on, uh, if he's worth a renewal, I have a piece coming out tomorrow that kind of touches on this, but I think a one-year renewal, I'm still kind of opposed to anything beyond that but I think a one-year renewal is worth exploring given uh his renewed importance to the team and him making the decision to retire from the national team I think allows him to have that break during the year that he like he often clearly needs agreed yeah I think it's worth exploring on a year to year especially with the hopefully less minutes on his legs uh let's look ahead a little bit for our last few minutes of the show guys and you know, Sunday is the Derby. It's going to be a crucial match, especially now because after Lazio's victory today, they leapfrog Roma into fifth for the Europa League spot. Um, apparently, it was on a dubious VAR-reviewed dive that was given as a penalty to beat Venezia 1-0. Puts Lazio a point ahead of Roma. Roma also has to play their second leg against Viteze at home on Thursday. So at least the travel's cut out. Roma can play in Rome both matches. But uh, Pietro Russo says, you know, should players maybe Tammy, Mkhitaryan, Pellegrini get a break on Thursday. He doesn't see why Shimordov and Perez can't start against Viteze. Maybe even some of the youngsters get a start. Any thoughts? So I think normally I would say play the youngsters and 
have a full strength squad for Sunday, but I think it kind of it depends on if your preference is to win the conference league or to qualify for top four. Um, historically, I've always been team top four of the conference league, but it's uh, it's becoming very, very unlikely that we're going to do so. So I think if we have a chance at some silverware, why not? Um, and I think Mourinho probably feels similarly. So I could see him going full strength on Thursday just to make sure we get into the round of or the quarterfinals. Yeah, I could I could certainly see him going full strength. And if maybe Roma gets up three goals in the second half, then rotate, rotate out some guys. But I think Mourinho's all in on the conference league. Would you agree, Jim? Yeah, 100% agree. I also think that, you know, my one, the one exception that I would have is that I do think that some youngsters will probably play just because if I was Mourinho, I'd be recognizing that there are a lot of senior players who you'd think would be a guaranteed start who are not at the snuff. And he, and one way or another, he needs to try to bleed in more Primavera players right now who look like they've got actual hunger. Uh, so if he's able to start someone like Bove or Volpato or Zalewski or, you know, maybe a, res, a resurgent Felix Afanagian, um, and they impress in the second leg, maybe he can feel more comfortable playing them in Serie A more regularly. And we really need that considering how miserable some of the players and who should be guaranteed starting 11 people uh, have been over the past several months. Yeah. So we'll go rapid fire in this one from Jurosity. Uh, We'll give one reason each. Do you see any reason to believe that this season could parallel Capello's first season at Roma 99-2000? I'm not suggesting we win the league next year, but what would have to happen to make the jump to contention besides getting a midfielder? I wasn't around for the Capello years, but I think to see the big jump besides the midfielder, healthy Leonardo Spinazzola. I think that I, I, other than the midfield, if Spinazzola comes back and looks like even, you know, three quarters of a world beater, like he was last season. um, And if Nicolo Zaniolo finally gets over the hump when it comes to his injury recovery, I think those two things are critical. We've got a guy who can, who obviously looks like over the next several years could become a, perennial Capocannoniere contender we've got Pellegrini and I think that if we cut off some of the dead weight and use that money elsewhere we could we could make we could make it happen if we're gonna make that jump we need uh, a time machine and Francesco Totti um, <laughs> aside from that I'm not so sure we'll have enough all right uh Gerasia asked one other question about uh Italy's World Cup playoff matches coming up and which Roma players could be involved because that's about a week and a half away now um I think it's got to be Zaniolo definitely is in at this point. Pellegrini, Cristante is probably in as a rotation guy because he's been around. And then uh, Mancini probably gets a look as a rotation player too, especially with, uh, I think, Chiellini still out at the center back position. Uh, he asked if, if Zaniolo is included, could this be the opportunity he needs to finally put everything together? Could be. And he asked, will Donnarumma's recent Champions League meltdown make this playoff a lost cause? I don't think so. I think Donnarumma will be on his game for Italy. So, guys, we'll wrap up with this last one from Aristotle. Uh, he asked, does any other fan base beside us, Roma fans, need to have a cardiologist and psychologist, if not psychiatrist, on speed dial? I'm about to upgrade mine above family. I think any fan base across any sport would tell you that they need all of the above. Um, but, you know, rooting for Roma, I think that we all um, are owed a full medical team at our disposal whenever we need, given the level of stress this club causes us. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think we might need fair. it more than others. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, you know, Juventus fans might have been able to get away with it for a while without needing one except for on Champions League nights. But, uh, yeah, I think most fan bases will probably feel the same. But we Romanisti, we suffer in uh, unusually high numbers, I would say, compared to other fan bases. So, 
you know, we'll be back next week, hopefully after a Derby victory. Hopefully Brandon will come to talk good things, maybe another win against one of our direct opponents for, at, at this point, a Europa League spot. Uh, guys, anything you want to leave listeners with, Brandon? I know you referenced the piece you're working on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a piece, um, another iteration of our Three Things series coming out tomorrow. And bold prediction for Sunday, we're screwed. It's over. Seven to one loss incoming. Get ready, guys. Jim, anything you want to leave him with? Yeah, I'm going to break Brandon's TV so he can't watch and then be on the episode. <laughs> That's my plan. I'll cut just off leave- his inter- Cut off his internet. I'll leave it at this. I didn't say anything about Pellegrini prior to yesterday's match, so now at least he's available for the Derby. So my bold prediction from the first Derby of at least wanting to see how Pellegrini performed against Lazio can come to fruition. Hopefully he performs well, and we're here talking about it next week. And uh, hopefully you guys all get to enjoy the Derby and, and a victory. 